Seth Godin basically postulates that it's better to be the purple cow to make a purple cow than to make a brown cow. And what is a purple cow versus a brown cow? Well, the brown cow is what you see every day you're driving down the street. You're going to see 10, 12, 50 of them on your way to work back home. You're never going to remember any one of them. But a purple cow, that's something to write home about. That's something worth remembering. So when you're doing something, which is the important part, do it in such a way that you can be the best at it. And you can't be the best at everything. That's just yes. being human. This is a little bit better for our, um, our audience. Let's say that Toyota raised their prices 40%. And let's say Tesla raised their prices 40%. Whose sales would slow and whose sale would remain the same? Toyota would slow because it's a price market. Tesla right. would continue as it is because whenever I decide to buy a Tesla, I'm not buying it because it's cheap. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to be a little contrarian. So, mm -hmm. I, so I live in the world of multiple right answers. I agree that email marketing is one of the most powerful tools you can use. And if it's done mm -hmm. properly, the return on investment can be substantial. Mm -hmm. However, However, if you don't have appropriate lists, if you think I'm going to skip the line and purchase lists and think I'm going to get all sorts of money by emailing these mm -hmm. people that have never heard of me <laughs> and you don't want to put the work in and mm -hmm. you don't provide content that's of value. You just go sell, 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 sale, sale, sale. It's not going to work. <laughs> You're going into spam. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. When you compete on price, and, and again, there's it's not that there's an inherently bad thing with competing on price. The problem mm -hmm. is, is that when you compete on only price, yes. you are in a group with all your other competitors, and it is the fastest race to the bottom that you will mm -hmm. ever experience. And, and no people don't see the value of your product. Mm -hmm. When you step out of that and create your own space, and you're showing mm -hmm. how you solve a problem or are you how you help them get to a future state of success, whether it's mm -hmm. a product, whether it's a service, um, you are implying that value which mm -hmm. people typically don't put a price on and they're willing yeah. to pay whatever it is because it's that peace of mind for that future state. Um, he spent over $10 million in Facebook ads. He was pretty good at dropshipping. The reason I mention it is because, you know, he's in the digital marketing space. He's familiar. He said, I asked him, so what do you, what do you think about um, strategies for Black Friday, Cyber Monday coming up? And he says, um, don't listen to people. Don't do it. Because you can increase sale, which is the point I was going to make. You can increase your sale, but... Are you increasing your profits? Right. You know? And it's are you training your customers to wait until you have a sale? Because that's what you're So how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Doing well. Yep. I think it's only like um, 51 days until the end of the year. Oh, yeah. What do you have planned before the end of the year, though? Um, I'm getting a lot of, of uh, client work because people are like, oh, it's almost the end of the year and I need to use my budget. Or, oh, I didn't hit my goal. <laughs> so yes. there's a lot of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is that a last minute panic, you might put it? Plus, yes. Black Friday, Cyber Monday is coming up. Are you busy with that kind of stuff or it's not your yeah. methodology? Um, I'll do the Cyber Monday. I refuse to stand in line for a single item. Um, oh. <laughs> camp out for it's not worth it. I'm like, no thanks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but how about your clients though? Do they like get involved with Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and sales and specials and stuff like that? And do you like work with them to create promotions and so on? Um, so a couple of them do. Um, but I, mm -hmm. you know, if they're smart, they're not waiting until Black Friday. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you can you can be doing different promotions throughout the month of November, um, and just be creative with it. To me, it doesn't make sense to try to force someone into, um, you know, one weekend of purchasing. If you could, mm -hmm. you know, give them the opportunity to feel it like they're having a VIP experience and mm -hmm. um, get goods early. Um, because yeah. who doesn't yeah. want to sell early, right? Exactly. The best time to make a sale is right now. That's right. <laughs> it's absolutely well, right. You know, though, it's um, it's a curious case because I understand if if the research I've done is correct, Black Friday 
and then, you know, ceremony came after because never the internet. Man. Black Friday came from the 50s, I believe, or the 20s, like way, way back. And um, it was made so that businesses that were losing money the entire year could have this one big day, huge discounts, huge sales, and then they would go back in the red. They would leave from the red into the black. So, you know, when you're doing accounting, the red is negative. Right. And um, if it has the parenthesis, the, what do you call them, the brackets, then it's yeah, negative. Yeah, it. yeah, it's negative, yeah. And, so they get back in the black, hence Black Friday, yeah. Yeah, but here's the thing, though. It's a two-edged sword. You get the sale, right? So you increase sales. And there's this one gentleman, I'm sure you'd, you'd, um, you'd be fas- fascinated to meet him. Matter of fact, I have a panel discussion plan where I would like you and that gentleman to be the, um, the flagship guests. So we'll have like two more members, but two, you two would be the core members. His name is Yaron Bain. His episode posted recently. Um, he spent over $10 million in Facebook ads. He was pretty good at dropshipping. He's left the business. He's now into, he has a software that creates um, dynamic creatives. So like different creatives for your best performing ads. So, you know, that's good for split tests and everything. The reason I mention is because, you know, he's in the digital marketing space. He's familiar. He said, I asked him, so what do you, what do you think about um, strategies for Black Friday, Cyber Monday coming up? And he says, um, don't listen to people. Don't do it. Because you can increase sale, which is the point I was going to make. You can increase your sale, but are you increasing your profits? Right. You know? And are you training your customers to wait until you have a sale? Because that's what exactly. you're doing. I mean, you know, in um, the most amazing marketing book ever with Mark Schaefer, I wrote a mm-hmm. chapter on bringing the customer experience to the digital front. And part mm-hmm. of it is start as you mean to go. <laughs> you're setting up an expectation and people mm-hmm. learn. People are, you know, they're creatures of habit. And if that's mm-hmm. the habit you're instilling, you're never going to break that. Mm-hmm. If I know mm-hmm. I can wait to get a better deal, why would I buy early? Um, so it's really flipping that mindset on its head or at least be a little unpredictable so they don't know. And then they're like, oh, I could, you know, I, I could wait. But what if it runs out? What if? I don't, I don't get the opportunity to purchase it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's do, um, let's do a little test, shall we? So okay. um, I'm going to share my screen. That's why I wasn't paying. I actually grabbing, grabbing my keyboard. Oh, awesome. So, all right. So let's see. So we know that Apple has a really big, a really strong brand, right? Right. So let's see if Apple has um, a Black Friday. BFCM is what it's called, right? Deal, the deal. Um, all right, so here it oh, is. Yeah. No, we don't expect to see huge deals. All right, and um, you won't find. So this is an important part as well. So you definitely won't find the latest Apple watches and iPhones discounted. Discounted. Yeah. Um, which other company has a strong brand? You would say perhaps um, mm, Tesla, maybe. I was going to say Tesla. Yeah. They will absolutely not have um, a Black Friday deal. And I don't think they have year-end clearance sales like Toyota and Honda. They do not. They do not. They do not discount. And um, they actually don't market. <laughs> they really All don't right. do anything. So, so here's now, why I... This should be go interesting ahead, go ahead. to see what, what it says. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I wonder if they would have sales for so you know that when you buy the tesla if you want anything extra you pay a Mm -hmm. subscription so they're smart Mm -hmm. in having a subscription model um for for different features of the vehicle um and they might give a slight discount to accessories or things like that but i i don't i don't think they would you know like you Mm -hmm. said your end now clearance sales and stuff like that yeah and there's a discounts and yeah. There's a reason why I brought this up and I even did the research. And I'm recording, by the way. You, you're familiar because you're really good at this. You're familiar with the reasons why I brought up Tesla and I brought up Apple. And it's because of the idea of branding power versus pricing power. So I want the audience members, and you can expound on this. I'll just say it rather briefly. What I want the audience members to realize is that whenever you, as um, Lisa rightly said here is that whenever you train your customers to be attentive to the price, that it's the sale that's going to happen. It's the sale that's going to come. 
then they won't buy until you have the sale, which is why I haven't bought my new website security just yet because I, I got it on sale last year, 50% off. So I'm like, all right, let's see what's going to happen this year. But that's not brand loyalty. I tell you what, if you, two phones, let's say that, no, let's use the car example. This is a little bit more, this is a little bit better for our, um, our audience. Let's say that Toyota raised their prices 40% and let's say Tesla raised their prices 40% whose sales would slow and whose sale would remain the same. Toyota would slow because it's a price market. Tesla right. would continue as it is because whenever I decide to buy a Tesla, I'm not buying it because it's cheap. God knows it's not cheap. Yeah. <laughs> well, because so you're you buying about, the yeah. value. You're buying the value of mm -hmm. the product. And, mm -hmm. I, and I would actually argue it's, it's not necessarily around the brand power or the brand loyalty. Um, it's mm -hmm. the inherent value and the future state of success that the brand implies to the consumer. Um, you know, Tesla is, is, I mean, they've lost market share in their category uh, for electric vehicles, but they're still the dominating brand. And mm -hmm. in something that's new, like electric vehicles, um, mm -hmm. you know, I wanna know that if I buy it and I'm making that investment, that my investment is going to be worth it and I'm yeah. not going to have the hassle of having something go wrong with the car or the hassle of trying to charge it. Um, I know mm -hmm. I'm going to be supported and Tesla's done a great job in that respect. And there are people mm -hmm. that are super loyal to Tesla because they feel like their dollars were valued and they're getting that in return. And like you said, mm -hmm. if the price went up 40%, you know, you would be like, well, I know, that the car is going to be good and they, you know, and that's what they, that's what they bank on. Um, yeah. It's when you compete on price and, and again, mm -hmm. there's, it's not that there's an inherently bad thing with competing on price. The problem mm -hmm. is, is that when you compete on only price, yes. you are in a group with all your other competitors and it is the fastest race to the bottom that you will mm -hmm. ever experience. And, and no people don't see the value of your product mm -hmm. when you step out of that and create your own space and you're showing mm -hmm. how you solve a problem or are you, how you help them get to a future state of success, whether it's mm -hmm. a product, whether it's a service, um, you are implying that value, which mm -hmm. people typically don't put a price on and they're willing okay. to pay whatever it is because it's that peace of mind for that future state. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what you want. Because, you know, the thing that's interesting is um, Yaron, yet again, Yaron being like I mentioned, he also mentioned that um, you have to realize that there is like a triangle of offers. That's a nice triangle right there. He said that you can have it fast, you can have it high quality, or you can have it cheap. So if you're only competing on being cheap, then you are going to have a problem because another cheap substitute is going to come about. That's where a lot of businesses have gone bankrupt and they've gone out of business. So if you looked up, if you look at what happened to like most of the retailers, they were competing, the big chain retailers, they were competing on price. We can do it cheaper. We can sell it cheaper because we get, um, they call it economies of scale because we buy more, we get it at a cheaper price. And what happened? Amazon said, hey, check this out. We can do it cheaper than all of you. Matter of fact, we're going to do it cheaper and we're also going to make it more accessible. So it's going to be easier. It's going to be faster. And because of that, Amazon is winning. They're like a $2 trillion company probably at this stage. And most other companies aren't. We're looking at branding. We're looking at pricing power. We're looking at the influence sales can have on the overall health of the business. Because we can't think that because the business is not coughing today, it will be alive tomorrow. We can't do that. We have to look into the future. What are some of the things that you would suggest business owners from a marketer's perspective, really business owners, entrepreneurs, people in sales and marketing even do to strengthen their brand power or, and, or really make their business less susceptible to price changes and the effects that it brings? Yeah. So one of the biggest things that I teach my coaching clients on making sure that their business is they have the attraction of right fit clients and they in essence future proof their business so that as things fluctuate and change because 
even, you know, even during the pandemic, even during economic shutdowns, even during those times, there are still people who buy. There are still, there's still market to have. Maybe it's not as abundant, but it's still there. The question is, how do you show up in the good times for people to recognize that in the bad times? And to me, that means that you have to actually invest in the relationship with your consumers so that they know you, they like you, and they trust you. They want to know, like, and trust you. You have to be able to have conversations. And that's where that content comes in. If you are sharing thought leadership content, if you are sharing content that helps them to do their business in a much more successful way that is innovative, that is disruptive, then you're going to get those people who keep coming back because they know that there's value there. And they'll remember you in the crappy times because you invested during the good. Um, If you are focused on the price point, then you're focusing on a very transactional relationship. And no emotion whatsoever. No yeah, and people are right, and people are finicky. You know, there's another. If I can get it someplace else or a different brand that seems similar for a few dollars cheaper, what would stop me from going and doing that? You know, mm-hmm. there's there has to be a focus on investing in that relationship with your consumers, aka your audience, and. When you simply discount, to me, that's the lazy way. It's like, oh, I'm just going to discount it and then I'll track people on price. Well, then that's all you're going to be known for is the cheap alternative. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that can get changed out every second of every day. I mean, you're competing against businesses around the globe at this point. It's not just people in Mm -hmm. your backyard anymore. So how are you creating a different experience for your audience, how are you showing up where they feel like they have a connection with you, where they feel like they have an understanding of your brand purpose, where they feel like they're part of a community of people that, you know, are working towards a common goal. Um, in my next book that's coming out in February, the greatest, the greatest personal brand story ever told. Yeah. I'm really excited about it. Um, it, you know, it's a huge focus on this idea of community and the sense of belonging. Mark Schaefer has the book Belonging to the Brand. They want to belong to something. And if you don't provide that space for them to belong, someone else can come in there and do it for you. And to me, that's, that's a way that you get not necessarily loyalty, but they have, they understand the intrinsic value of what you bring. Um, it is a non-commoditized relationship and they'd be willing to pray, to pay a premium for that relationship and that those goods and services because they a feel that there there's a trust factor in there to get to their future state of success, which everybody wants, right? People buy for two reasons to either remove a pain point or to add a pleasure point. That's it. <laughs> there's only two reasons to buy, <laughs> So if you're not making sure that one of those two points are addressed in a future state, that, that that's kind of a challenge. Um, so they want to feel like they can trust to get to that future state and they want to feel like they have that, that sense of community, that it's not just you're taking my money and you're handing me a ser- you know, good or service and then you're off for the next customer. They want to feel like you actually invest in them and it's not, you know, people think, oh, investment relationship. You're, you're not marrying these people, <laughs> right? You're not courting them. You are leading and providing valuable insight and knowledge with your content. And that can even be done with a product. Um, you know, you could be talking about changes in the industry. You could be talking about, you know, the, the type of ingredients that you use in your product versus someone else or the type of process that you use and why you use it, why you feel it makes your product innovative. It makes your product safe. It makes your product, you know, actually Unique. work. Yeah. yeah. Um, and for service, you know, I, I have uh, my specialty, my area of genius is really in the service industry. So knowledge, knowledge workers, Creative right? People who are, 
saying, trust me, I know how to do this, <laughs> which is really hard. Um, yeah. That's a much harder thing than having a tangible product, I think. Um, you can and being able to showcase that knowledge and mm -hmm. feeling like they're a trusted advisor is critical in, in the age that we're living in now. People mm -hmm. want to know that if they're spending their money, there is some, I don't want to say a guarantee, but they feel really comfortable that they're going to get to where they need to go. And if mm -hmm. something happens along the way that you're there to make sure that it's done, it's done well, and it's done in the way it was intended to be done. And there's an integrity there. To do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So having having content that helps solidify that, and you know, people are constantly looking for content and things to read and things to learn, and even you know, things to entertain them. It doesn't mean that you can't share knowledge in entertainment. Um, that's where the stories come in. If you can add storytelling into your content. It feels a little like entertainment and they're actually learning something. You're tricking them with your stories and they're actually learning a few things along the way. And people are hardwired for stories. That's just so it is because the story puts them in the position of the main characters, you would put it, and it moves them from where they are now to where they ideally want to be without actually moving them. So that builds a trust. Like you are at this stage... I want to put it the other way around because I'm the junior to your senior, not in an age way, but in terms of experience and how much you've achieved. By the way, guys, in case you don't know, Lisa Apolinski, since she's been working in digital marketing, she has added almost a billion dollars in increased revenues to her clients. So if there's someone who knows, and she has two new, she has two bestsellers, her third book is on the way out. And of course, we are going to have to get our hands on all those books and discuss them. So a lot to discuss in the future. That being said, if there is someone who knows what they're talking about, it is Lisa. I tell you what, before I started the Boardroom Podcast, I had a podcast called um, Online Business Systems. It's still on Apple Podcast and so on. And I did a three-part episode on why Apple was so successful. Three parts. And the number one lesson I learned was that Apple is successful because of their brand. And I always kept on echoing the same thing over and over, even in um, calls to potential clients, because I work in a digital marketing space and web development and so on. Even with potential calls to potential clients, I always say to them that you want to use this specific uh, marketing media so that your clients or your potential clients and potential customers, they know you, they love you, and they trust you. Whenever they have the problem to be solved, they might not be ready to solve the problem. Now they might not even know they have the problem. But by using right. this marketing media, when they are ready to solve that problem, they are going to reach out to you. Why? Because they know you, they love you, they trust you. Um, Simon Sinek, and I'm pretty sure you're familiar with him, he said that the customer doesn't buy what you sell. They buy the reason why you do it. Right? And that is why we connect so strongly with Apple or we connect so strongly with Nike, or we connect so, so strongly with Tesla, there's a very clear message of what they're doing and why they're doing it. And that comes back to the whole um, brand personality thing where you say, hey, unique ingredient, unique story why you started, et cetera, et cetera. This is a trivia question I'm going to come with now. And there's a reason oh. why I said use this marketing media because it's the answer to the trivia question. I've asked two people so far, both in the space of digital marketing, we are one-on-one, -on -one. Um, Yaron, did not get it right because I asked him in a trick, tricky way. Um, Tiago Farias, he's a Google Ads specialist. Well, he worked for Google as a Google Ads specialist. He's now promoting what's called the anti-marketing strategy. That's going to be an awesome episode. He got it right. So we're one-on-one, -on -one, and I'm going to uh -oh. ask you the trivia. Okay. Among marketing media, which is the most profiting market, profitable marketing channel or media that you can use today? And I feel like you're going to get it. So... You know, I would actually say it depends on the business. Um, yeah, it really does. It really is specific to the business. If, mm -hmm. if you know, if you said, oh, it's, it's Facebook marketing. Well, for me, that's not true because my clients don't live on Facebook. On Facebook. I could spend mm -hmm. a ton of ad spend on Facebook and I would get nothing for it because none of my mm -hmm. clients would see it. And if they did, they're not in the right mindset to be able to use it and to be able to, you know, go, oh, yeah, I'm open to this this message right now. 
So I'm sure that's, that's not one of your answers, but to me, it really does depend on the business and where their right fit clients live and breathe, what channels they're on. And, and that would be the most profitable uh, media for that business because it would have the best ROI. And it's amazing to me how so many businesses, when I first start working with them, they're not really sure where their right fit clients are. They know who they are, but they don't know, you know, they don't know what, what watering them. holes they're in. And I'm like, How to speak you to need them. to know that. Mm-hmm. But that's one of the biggest problems I see as well. They think that because, for example, TikTok shop is the, um, the new thing right now. They think right. that because that's the in thing, they must be on TikTok shop. Meanwhile, TikTok is used by 19 to 25 year olds. Why are you going to sell a Lamborghini on TikTok shop? Well, Lamborghini doesn't do that, guys. But it's like, it's an example. Yeah. But um, you're so tricky. You answered the question without answering it because you said it depends. But I'm not going to press it for an answer. I'm going to go ahead and tell you it's actually email marketing. And why is it email marketing? Well, the ROI is one to four to four. So for every dollar you put, you're supposed to get like $44 in return. No other marketing media does that. And the reason why it works is because email connects everyone. And the reason why I'm mumbling on so much is because I wanted to expound a bit because I just mentioned the biggest problem I see with clients is that, well, not clients, but clients and potential clients is that they think that they have to go with a shiny new object to be effective. So how can then brands and companies, so we know how to build a brand and not be price sensitive. And I heard you talking so fluently about push marketing versus pull marketing. And you've expounded on pull marketing content. So we need a place to put our content. Where do we put our content so that we can reach our ideal customer? And I know it's going to vary from business to business. So maybe you want to start off with, this is how you know where your ideal client would be. Trick question, kind of complicated, but I'm sure you can work your way through it. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to be a little contrarian. So I, so I live in the world of multiple right answers. I agree that email marketing is one of the most powerful tools you can use. And if it's done properly, the return on investment can be substantial. Mm-hmm. However, However, if you don't have appropriate lists, if you think I'm going to skip the line and purchase lists and think I'm going to get all sorts of money by emailing these people that have never heard of me... <laughs> And you don't want to put the work in and you don't provide content that's of value. You just go sell, 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 sale, sale, sale. It's not going to work. You're going into spam. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm a contrarian in that I'm a huge proponent of email marketing, yet I personally don't do it for my business, mm-hmm. which is, which is funny, right? I, I think for certain businesses, it's great. For my business, the way that I attract right fit clients, I do yeah. much more pull marketing, like you said. Um, mm-hmm. I have a LinkedIn newsletter that everybody should be subscribing to because the amount of information you get each month in this newsletter good is stuff, banana huh? sandwiches. We are giving away mm-hmm. all sorts of secrets and tips. Um, mm-hmm. it, it is a um, summary of the prior month's free Q&A interactive webinar that we do where you can actually ask experts in real time your questions and get coaching or advisement in real time. So much fun. So much fun. The conversations we have. Oh yeah. And just, you know, just think, you know, and really interesting problems that people struggle with. And then you're like, Ooh, it's like a murder mystery. Um, Mm -hmm. So if you sign on for my LinkedIn newsletter, um, and when you um, sign up, Oh, when? Yes. When you, thank mm-hmm. you. Thank you very mm-hmm. much. Absolutely. When you sign up for my LinkedIn newsletter, when you subscribe to my YouTube channel, um, make sure that you're looking at this content to get this information. Um, so to go back to your question about push versus pull marketing, um, if, if you look at where you are in your customer journey cycle, like how well known you are, how much effort you've given, um, mm-hmm. I, to me, I feel like it's it's a 70-30 split. I was going to say it's like the 80-20 rule, but I'm going to go to 70-30. So I think there's a lot of content that you put out to attract those right fit clients and pull them in. And then you're using things like email marketing, 
like social media channels, like YouTube, um, mm -hmm. to be able to alert your audience of this new content and this new insight and thought leadership that is now out in the universe. So that's your push. Um, mm -hmm. You're not using it to say Black Friday. I mean, makes me crazy. Black Friday sale. Um, you know, <laughs> they should already know. Amazon doesn't do a push email no. campaign when it's prime. If you're like me, you already know no when the way. next prime is going to happen. Yep. I'm like, I need yep. to know. And I already have it marked out on my calendar. Now it comes up in the app. Prime is coming, but that's not a, here's an email selling to you about, you know, about their prime just sales. Just a reminder that, hey, remember this. Yeah. Just, or just, hey, just to let you know it's coming up. But I've already looked up when the next one's going to be after the July one. I was like, I want to know when the next one's going to be so that, you know, depending on what I have on my wish list, I can determine, am I going to purchase stuff now? Can I wait? You know, do I think it's going to be on sale for Prime? Um, you know, and, and kind of do some of that mathematical gymnastics in my brain. But Amazon doesn't do push marketing. Think about it. You just go to Amazon. And there's a community and the app is the location of the community and they provide information there. So I think if you're using your push marketing, your email um, campaigns, your social media, where you're alerting people of new things, alerting people, you know, and, and especially if, if it's like, let's say you decide that you're going to have some kind of a, uh, like you have clearance items or, um, you know, you're, you're going to be discounting your service or, you know, you're, um, it's your 10th anniversary for your business and you want to do a, you know, 10 free coaching calls or something, something fun where you're celebrating, you know, your community and the achievements that you've created with your community. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. That's your push marketing. I want people to lean into that pull marketing that attraction, right? Client attraction, where you are creating a community and being relentlessly helpful so that whether your audience becomes a client in a day or a decade, they know yeah. they can count on you for this. And they have to know what this is. It yes. can't be, I do everything or I can market to everyone. That's not true. And it's okay to be specific. I am a content coach. I work with agency owners and small businesses that range between like a million to 25 million in sales, um, where they're trying to level up into the next category of revenue and break through that barrier and using content as their business development tool. So I'm specific okay. on what I do who or who I work with, and I'm specific on how I get there. Yes. Very specific. And that's okay. So that people who aren't that know, okay, she's not the person for me, but they might say, Hey, I need help with retail marketing. And I can go, I know someone, I know a guy. There you go. Yeah. And that's the beauty of it because you know, what's not, what is not going to happen now. You're not going to have someone come into a consultation, sign a contract and then say, what on earth is going on? And you have a terrible client experience, which deteriorates the quality of your brand and so on. A lot of yeah. times we are too excited in being me too. So, wow, that's actually a trigger word. I didn't even remember. When I say me too, guys, I mean like I can do it too. I don't mean the other yeah. thing. I mean like yeah. I can do it too. I can yeah. do it too. So like your client wants you to do SEO. I can do it too. Social, I can do it too. Yeah. It's way better to focus on one thing and get as good at it as as possible. The, the, the place where I got this idea from was actually Seth Godin's um, Purple Call. Mm -hmm. So that's where Seth, for you guys who are not familiar, Seth Godin basically postulates that it's better to be the Purple Call to make a Purple Call than to make a Brown Call. And what is a Purple Call versus a Brown Call? Well, the Brown Call is what you see every day you're driving down the street. You're going to see 10, 12, 50 of them on your way to work back home. You're never going to remember any one of them. But a Purple Call, that's something to write home about. That's something worth remembering. So when you're doing something, which is the important part, do it in such a way that you can be the best at it. And you can't be the best at everything. That's just yes. being human. And I actually would take that analogy one further. Instead of being mm -hmm. the purple cow in the sea of cows, 
be a purple unicorn in a sea of cows. If you're going to be anything, you know, be a mermaid, <laughs> be, be something amazing, you know, be something that's so different that you transform that field with, you know, with the people that are in the field with you. Oh, I think you're, you're, I think you're on mute. You started talking and nope. I'm muted. As oh, you can you hear it, there's an aggressive yeah. truck in the background. Ah, so, okay. By the way, guys, you would not believe it while the truck is in the background. I'll just say this. So this is the second interview I've had with Lisa. The first interview was like a weekend of tri trials and tribulation. It was on a Monday. The Sunday, the Sunday evening, there's a road behind the studio right here where I am. A truck carrying a tractor overturned on a hill, took out the power lines. The power actually came back in time for the interview. Ten minutes before the interview, we got this 5.7 magnitude earthquake in Jamaica, not the power out for a while. We were having the interview despite all of that and the power went so... All I can say is that when you have trouble, you should give thanks. It's an opportunity to be great. And that being said, um, my digression, the unicorn idea, that's what Tesla did in the EV space. Because what I'm understanding is that most of the companies that are going EV right now are built on Tesla's platform, yes. right? And that's what Nike did. If Nike were to come out with something different and you have a very good idea of who they're doing it for, why they're doing it, and how it's going to be done. Same thing with Apple. So we're understanding the very basic principles of marketing. And the thing that I wanted to comment on, there are a few things I want to touch on before um, our time ends. Um, chief among them is I want to talk about your book. It's a Honda Civic. It's not a nice car. <laughs> Why is he behaving like this? All right. So let's get back it to always business. Is. Yeah. I know, right? So yeah. I want to talk about your two books. I want to talk about your marketing agency. I want to talk about your title. I'm not going to reveal it just yet because you have an amazing title. But before I get there, I want to talk about something that um, Seth Godin also postulated in, I believe this is marketing and perhaps also in protocol. Seth Godin postulates that whenever you're starting a business, marketing should be involved from the inception. What that means is that you should not wait until your product your service is complete before you start marketing. Marketing should determine what your product or your service is. So there's, that's a common misconception. Now, as someone who is very experienced in marketing, you have seen what the successful businesses have done, and you've seen quite some dumpster fires of what you should really not do. What are some of the lessons you can teach us? Perhaps some do's, perhaps some don'ts, perhaps a mix of both when it yeah. comes on to marketing. Absolutely. So... You always want to start with your X, Y, Z statement. Mm -hmm. I service X, and that's where you define who your right fit clients are. And right fit clients are those that are understand what it is that you do. You can mm -hmm. get them to that success point quickly and painlessly. Mm -hmm. They are a pleasure to work with. Mm -hmm. That's important. And they have the ability to pay. Those okay. are all important. And we never talk about that ability to pay, but that's kind of key. If they keep trying to cut Very you down cool. because they don't have the ability to pay, they're not a right fit client. Problem. So you want to start with your, your X. I help X, whatever that group is, to do Y. And that's the what the problem is. I help them solve this issue so that Z. What is that future state of success look like for them? For me, I help agency owners to create thought leadership. I'm just doing a very specific. I help agency owners create thought leadership content so that they continue to have their authority power and continue to attract their own right fit clients. So, so you right. want to get it all the way through. And like you were saying, they're not they're not paying me to to create content strategy. They're not paying me to write content. Mm. They're paying me so that they are able to go out into the universe, have content that attracts people, they get more clients faster at a higher dollar value. That's what they want. That's yes. what they're paying me for, to help them get there. The actions that I'm taking I don't want to say they're irrelevant, but it's not as important as what they're going to get no out problem. of the relationship they have with you. And if yes. you don't understand who you're supposed to service, 
how you solve their problem, which means you actually have to know what their problem is. And then they're going to get out of this relationship once they achieve these things and pay you money, then I don't know how you can even develop a product or service if you're not getting all the way to that point. And a lot of people who are just starting out with their business, they Mm -hmm. really get the first one or they think they really get the first one. They kind of get the second one and they completely forget about the Z. They forget about that future state. They think, well, they're, they're, they're paying me to build a website now because anybody can build a website. They're paying you to have a digital footprint that they're proud of that makes them credible and solidifies them in the industry. That's what they're paying you for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's the difference between a $25,000 invoice for a website versus a $300 invoice for a website. One's a website and one's a tool that's going to grow your business 24 seven while you sleep. And there's a bit of self-promotion for my business right here, but hey. Yeah, absolutely. And and I love that. It is your, it's your virtual calling card, like you said, 24 Mm seven, so that you don't have to be on, but your website represents you and your values and the solutions that you provide. And it allows people who visit your website to be able to interact with you and to ask for how they work with you, to ask for more information, to be able to connect with you, to ask, to get their questions answered so that when they do have a conversation with you, it's a productive conversation and it leads to new business. And it also should be like your best sales and market sales agent and marketing tool. So it's 1 a.m. You are in Vancouver. You, you, the business owner are in Vancouver, Canada. Vancouver is in Canada, right? And you're sleeping, having a time of your life. It might be 9 a.m. I'm in Australia. I'm not in Australia, by the way, guys. I'm in Jamaica. <laughs> so I'm in the beach in Jamaica, 9 a.m., enjoying the sunlight. And I decided I want to use your business to get whatever it is that your business offers. Your website should sell me your product and it should also not sell me your product if I'm not a good fit. It should be attracting me, it should be nurturing me, and that's what a website is. So we can talk about digital media, your online footprint and everything. Perhaps that should be, um, let's plan the um, this, the next um, Zellhand Summit, where I want you and Yaron to be on. Because I think that businesses, they don't get the digital footprint right. I think there is a lot of misconception especially because search is not the sexy thing and that's going to be important if you're doing content and we're always going around and around the new things. So perhaps that's what we should look at, how to create a digital marketing strategy to get you online clients and sales profitable. That's a simple one, but it can be really deep. What do you think about that? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, it's It's, mm-hmm. like you said, it's, it's a little more complex, but there there are certain things that you can at least start with for sure. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Before we move on, the last part I wanted to expound on just a bit. What is the one thing that you like? Just don't do this when it comes on to marketing. Just perhaps, I don't know. I'm just going to leave it out there. What you should yeah. absolutely not do in marketing. Yeah. Don't, don't just push, you know, don't lose sight of who is the most important most important person in the relationship was, which is your customer. When you put your needs and wants first, like I get emails and messages on LinkedIn constantly asking to have an hour of my time or 30 minutes of my time so that they can talk to me about their services. And there's nothing in it for me. It's all about them trying to get in front of someone to pitch an idea or to try to get a sale. And, and I don't even, I mean, you could switch me out with anybody in that email Mm -hmm. and it's the same conversation. That's a problem. Um, Mm -hmm. If you are going to do outbound marketing, if you're going to use LinkedIn or use email, um, think about, yeah, think about what it is for the person. It's like if Mm -hmm. you went on a first date and they asked to borrow a thousand dollars from you. It, uh, it doesn't feel good. It's weird. It, yeah. You know, it has that same it sends the wrong feeling. message. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely is the wrong message. Maybe you were the perfect candidate for that person, but you I'm went sure. right into what your immediate needs are. Um, and mm. you're not investing in the relationship when you want to go right to a call to say, let me tell you about my services. You're assuming they know you and they like you. 
and that they have some trust established, if they've never heard from you before, you know, why, why would I do that? And especially if they're a really good fit client, why aren't you taking the time to build that relationship and that trust? So don't exactly. be lazy. Don't be, don't be lazy with thinking, oh, I'm going to send out, you know, 2000 emails. I'd rather you send out five to people who actually know you and could make an introduction for you, who could, um, you know, you know, if they, they buy from you, they could purchase more or you could upsell um, if they're on the fence, but you have a relationship established with them and you want to see them succeed, they will feel it in your communication. That sentiment resonates with everyone listening because we all hate spam and there's nothing more annoying than someone. It's not even their real name. They don't know who you are. You know, you know what's sleazy? when they call like they send a cold email and they call you by your business name and yes. i'm like wow you couldn't yeah. even bother reading the about section to know who i am eh? or they they like i get emails where they say we would love to talk to you about right having you write your first book on linkedin where my header shows the last two of my five books that i've written or four mm -hmm. books i've written and it says author in again. my headline and i'm like did you not look? I'm I'm a four-time author. It says so in my headline. I've written four books already. Hello. No research whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Really just, you know, and again, it's like, take two minutes. Take two minutes to look. And that's why, you know, yes, if you have a, an established email list of people that you know, and that yes. you've already developed a relationship with, you can send out emails like that. You can, I don't want to say phone it in, but you can optimize it and um, automate it. That's great. When you're building lists, when you're building prospects, you really need to look at them one at a time. And I know that's yeah. not popular, but that's the problem. one a day, one a day, one a day, like taking a vitamin. If you mm -hmm. focus that way, you will get the needle movement that you want. Um, a woman that, that I absolutely love, who actually is in my community and in my ecosystem, Pamela Slim, um, and she wrote the book, The Widest Net. Um, and she yeah. talks about these tiny marketing actions where you are doing a small thing for an individual. And you might mm -hmm. think it's, it's insignificant. It's not insignificant to the person who receives it. Yes. A lot of times, the smallest things that you do make the biggest impact. Like just for someone to read their about section or to read your LinkedIn profile and say, you know what? I read so-and-so about you. How did you even manage to do all of this? You know, that's the reason why whenever we do the boardroom podcast, we don't like to do it interrogation style. As you might have realized, we're just having a regular free-flowing conversation. And I mean, this is the second time we've sat down. I want it to be natural where... We get to where we need to be by virtue of curiosity and a desire to learn. And I like this approach. And as I've touched on learning and curiosity, you have been dubbed America's digital content futurist. That's right. America's digital content futurist. Yep. The title, the title is outlandish, to say the <laughs> least, because you're representing America at this stage. How did this even happen? And I know you're going to mention your books. Would love yes. to hear about them. What I'm going to do is, as you mentioned them, I'm going to put a title on screen. We're going to link them in the description. And you have a fifth book coming out you mentioned earlier. Yes. If you have a wait list, if you have a news page about that book, we're going to link to that as well. Because as one who needs to learn marketing, a student eternally, I must yes. get closer to your content. So how did you get that title? Tell us about your books, please. Um, so after my first book came out, um, Weathering the Digital Storm, um, and I think that was in 2000, oh my God, I think it was 2017, maybe 18, I'm not sure. Um, I was interviewed by Forbes and they dubbed me America's Digital Content Future. I am not the America's Digital Content Future. I am not the only digital content futurist. I was just dubbed humble, America's humble. Digital Content Futurist. So um, mm -hmm. it's, it, you know, I have this ability to peek around corners to see mm -hmm. how content will evolve 
and how yeah. people will interact with your brand. Mm-hmm. I just have, I have a, a natural knack for that. Um, mm-hmm. I am by no means the only person who can do that. I know a ton of marketers that I consider my North star. Um, Mark oh, yeah. Schaefer is one of them. Mm-hmm. Rand Moss is another one. Um, and Seth? yeah. Jerry? And Seth. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, Jerry? um, yeah, so I am, I am, I take that title very seriously and I constantly push the envelope and also talk to other people that I think are futurists and who love to disrupt and transform um, mm-hmm. and to be able to, you know, to, to get my hands dirty with them. And I've said mm-hmm. this before and I will say it again. Digital marketing is like a climb with no summit. Wherever you are, you still have 100% to go. I am still learning. Everybody who is a good marketer is still learning because there are new things coming out all the time. The way we interact with with brands, the way we purchase, it's constantly changing, which makes the industry exciting. And that's why I love doing it. Um, So my first book, Weathering the Digital Storm, came out. and then my second book, I'm, I'm doing this right, uh, was Persuaded with a Digital Content Story. Um, it is a award-winning book. It was named um, one of the top 11 content marketing books in the world to read when it came out, which is That's amazing. Nice. And it okay. is literally a how-to guide with a formula so that you can write persuasive stories. I lay it all out in the book. Follow the formula. You get used to doing the formula that way. So you make sure you hit all the key points and you'll be creating persuasive content in no time. Um, My third book came out right after the pandemic, Grow Your Market Share in a Zombie Apocalypse, which is really, yeah, which is really habits that I believe business owners need to develop in good times so that when the next problem comes like a meteor strike or a zombie apocalypse, they can get through it and and not die. And in fact, thrive. Um, And then my last book that came out that I co-authored, I was one of 35 authors that was invited to write in this book with Mark Schaefer. Um, The greatest marketing, the most amazing marketing book ever. There it is. Um, And it is 750 I'm sorry, 350 ideas and tips on how to level up your marketing from some of the the best experts in the world, as far as I'm concerned. Greatest minds. Yeah. And I agree with that, given the names you've called. Yeah. Yeah. Just an amazing experience. Um, And my next book that's coming out in February, uh, The Greatest Personal Brand Story Ever Told, um, Mm -hmm. when we talk about content and we Mm -hmm. talk about the future of content, Storytelling will always be part of content as far as I'm concerned. And there is a new focus on understanding person behind the brand and having personal branding can help with that no like and trust concept that we talked about earlier. Um, I don't like to use the term B2B and B2C. I believe people buy from people, P2P, person to person, people to people. If you're purchasing, you're purchasing from someone on the other end. You assume that there's someone there that's going to help you. You assume that there's someone that will provide that service or that product. Um, And the same with if you're selling a business to a business. You don't sell to the business. You sell to the people on a team of that business. So when you start to think about those personal relationships, you need to show up in a human way. Um, And... Please go ahead. Yeah, so that's coming out winter of 2024. Sure. Um, I will have um, in the next few weeks. I've actually started talking to um, my uh, web developer about having a page on my website so that people can subscribe, um, so that they get notifications on the book launch. I will probably also ask people to weigh in on the cover because um, I think that's always fun to get my community to, to kind of say, I like that cover, you know, I like this, but I didn't like that. Yeah. And just get them involved. Cause that's super, super enjoyable. 
And with the book, I will also be doing an e-learning course so that if you want to level up your personal brand and either I'm book solid, which I have been, or you want to be able to just tip your, your proverbial toe into the water and, mm -hmm. and test some theories out, there'll be an e-learning course available. That's the nice. book looks at 2000 year old brand that everybody knows. And it, and it's about this guy. I'm sure you've heard of him. His name is Jesus. It looks Ooh, at the brand of Jesus from a marketing and personal branding point of view. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's not about religion and about whether or not you you are Christian or yeah, that you, you you've heard of him. Everybody's heard of him. Why? Mm -hmm. <laughs> How? Yeah. What did he believe you know, in? Those are important Is questions. Is that something Jesus would do? <laughs> <laughs> I think he would. I think he'd analyze himself, sure. Um, mm -hmm. But it, it really is looking at this 2,000-year-old playbook, bringing it into digital, the digital era and seeing how you can leverage some of these very, very clearly effective <laughs> foundations mm -hmm. for personal branding that you yeah. can apply to your own brand if you would like your brand to grow and, in fact, live beyond you. Wouldn't that be lovely? Yeah, I mean, that's um, that's the goal of us all, just to do something that outlives us. That's the legacy right there. You, yeah. Are you a Christian by chance, or it's just something I am, that's part I am, of I am you Catholic. Are? Yep, I am Catholic. Oh, you're a Catholic. Yep. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah, I am also I am also Catholic. a Christian. Not a yeah. Catholic, but I am also Oh, you're a not a Catholic. Yeah. No, yeah. I'm not. I'm not, but, you know, still a Christian. So yeah, that's um, pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so it it's, you know, it was a great book to write. Um, yeah. And so the nugget, the the thought that came or my ideation of this book came from the Uprising Conference that I was at with Mark Schaefer. And we were mm -hmm. going through different things that we see are becoming more and more important in marketing. And mm -hmm. I was like, these all sound familiar. <laughs> mm -hmm. These all feel familiar. Why is that? And then I was like, oh, my God, this is this is something that's been going on for a long time. And at first I was like, no, we've thought of nothing new. And then I thought, no, 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 that that's good. That means we're on the right track, that we're yeah. actually moving it's towards the right goal. Yeah, 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 it's it's not a bad thing. Um, mm -hmm. And I just got an email. So I subscribe to Mark Schaefer's email list because he sends out thought leadership content. And one of his, uh, the email that I got today talked about influencer marketing and how, and, and there was a stat in there that, that 60, 50 or 60% of people who are up and coming into their careers want to have some kind of influence or status within their career community, whether it's a micro influencer or, you know, a paid influencer, but they want to have that authority power. And personal branding ties into that authority power. And I was like, wow, that's that's interesting that people really want to feel like they are impacting their community and their industry with with their thought leadership and their ideas. I'm like, that's amazing. This is powerful. This is um this is a stuff of dreams. There are a few things that are true. Whenever you sit with someone who loves what they do and they do it at a high level. There's a certain level of enthusiasm and enthusiasm, expertise, and also mixed in curiosity. That's always there. So I had a sit down with a billionaire, actually, a billionaire investor and entrepreneur. And you could see from his body language and his face that he was just so curious to learn something else. And that's beautiful. I get the same energy from you. I'm looking forward to your books. I cannot do, I cannot give you the disservice uh, and the guests as well, of having you on, having you teach us so much, and then sending you back home. Let us say there's a guest or audience member that is watching. And you have a YouTube channel, so you can even throw that out there and we'll um, link it in the description and so on. Yes, and let's absolutely. say that exactly what you do is what they need at this point. They'd like to get on a discovery call or set up a consultation, whatever your process might be, and get in contact with you. What is your process and how does this person get in contact with you to get the process started? 
and we'll just put everything on screen as you say it, and we'll link in the description yeah. and show notes awesome. as well. So the the fastest way to and I do a free, no cost, no selling, twenty minute console call. Um, we can talk about anything. Um, I've actually had calls where we talked about, you know, something that had nothing to do with my products and services, but because I've been doing this for so long, I was able mm -hmm. to direct them and direct them to another resource, which solved their problem, which was great. Um, the fastest way is to send me an email at Lisa, L-I-S-A, at threedogwrite.com. It's the number three, dog, D-O-G, right, like right with a pen. W-R-I-T-E.com. Make sure that you subscribe to my LinkedIn newsletter. Be part of our community. You know, I mean, we are a community of being relentlessly helpful. Um, you've heard me mention other people in my community that are also relentlessly helpful. Um, mm -hmm. You, you, you know, it, it takes a village, right? So and it takes a village no matter what. So, you know, gather your ecosystem and know who your your um, ecosystem and those people are and make sure that you you know are active in those communities um, not only asking for help but providing help as well um, so okay. yeah send me an email subscribe to my newsletter you can always um, then on LinkedIn once you're following me you can send me a message there as well if that's faster for you um, but those are two of the fastest ways to get a hold of me and like I said I will have Probably by the end of December, so probably in like three, four weeks, um, I will have the page up for people to um, go ahead and join my email list to learn about when my book is coming out, the next book coming out, greatest personal brand story ever told. Um, and again, I'm looking for, you know, I love sharing with my community and saying, you know, be on this journey with me because a lot of people are like, oh, my God, writing a book. That sounds so scary. But if they get to be part of the process, it's pretty exciting for them. Yes. And it also helps with sales because then they feel that like they were a part of the writing of this book. So they definitely have to share and reading it and share with friends and so on. Yeah. It's actually pretty yeah. effective. Yeah, um, absolutely. I must ask before you go, how did you enjoy your time on the Boardroom Podcast today? Oh, I had such a great time. And I'm excited to be on it again, especially if you're going to do a panel. That would be super fun. Yeah. Oh that is going to be <laughs> awesome. Different perspectives, different levels of expertise, all on the same topic. How can we not learn? The yeah. Boardroom Podcast, you know, guys, and Lisa, is something I started because I want to help small businesses, especially on their journey to success. You know, small businesses move the community. They're the ones that hire the most people. They want to invest the most in the community. So if I can reach small businesses and I can help them, I can help the most people. And one of the number one problems I believe small businesses have is that they have a lack of knowledge on what to do and what not to do. So Black Friday is coming up. That should not be your marketing strategy. And your marketing strategy is not posted on Facebook either. Your marketing strategy is a little bit more than that, as you would have learned today. We, we have a tradition on the Boardroom Podcast. Whenever a guest has been on, they've had a good time. We like to ask them, given you had a good time on the podcast today, who is one guest guest that you would like to have, that you would like to see on the Boardroom Podcast in the future? And for this guest, we're going to try to get them on. What is one question that you would like for us to ask that guest for you? You know what? I would say if I was going to pick someone, I would pick uh, Mary Catherine Johnson, MKJ. Um, and her email mm -hmm. is actually, or her website is callmemkj. <laughs> Ooh. Really easy. Okay. Um, and mm -hmm. her area of expertise is around AI. And Ooh. and we we did, um, she was on my webinar or I did an interview with her and mm -hmm. she has some amazing stories and she has some amazing soapboxes she will get on. So I would, mm -hmm. I would absolutely have um, asked you to have Mary Catherine Johnson on because she's fantastic. MKJ. 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 Definitely. Yeah. And Mary what Catherine is one question that you would like for us to ask her for you? Um, you can ask her um, if she's seen, you know, when we, when I interviewed her, I think it was like two or three months ago and we talked about mm -hmm. content and AI, I would ask her, if anything that that she had um, ideas about really, have changed because things are changing so rapidly so with AI, I would love to hear, you know, um, 
there's now a term for people who just use AI generated content and don't modify it. They're calling it synthetic media. There's now a term for it. And synthetic wow. never has a good feel to it, right? Synthetic has yeah. a very negative connotation. So I yeah. would love to hear her, you know, her ask or her expertise around, you know, how do you how do you combat against synthetic media? Um, and is synthetic media really as bad as people say? Is it a bad or a good thing is even a question at this stage? Yeah. Because it's so new, yeah. it's so novel. Yeah. Yeah. Those are and really she's nice very aspects. much a contrarian. So <laughs> uh, yeah. those are the people yeah. want to have on because common knowledge isn't always best to knowledge, unbeknownst yes. to most people. Yes. So absolutely. MKJ, Averon, ask her if there's anything that has changed about her opinion or ideas given um, from your last talk with her. And also, yeah. what are her views? Is it bad or is it good on synthetic media? And I'm absolutely yeah. excited about that because um, yeah. the potential is there for a disruptive market yet again. Um, thank you for your time today. You have been brilliant. This has been wonderful, so educational, so informative, so very easy to listen to and to just absorb. Thank you for your time today. And, thank um, you for having me on. This was amazing. Let us have you on again with Yaron. I also want to have on uh, Mr. Jeff Barnes. He's pretty good at what he does. And I think we'll have, I'm not sure who else we'll have. Perhaps I'll have um, Tiago Farias. He's the same person I mentioned that worked at Google and he's now yeah. in the anti-marketing strategy. That's what he's um, yeah. trumpeting these days. Um, thank you awesome. for your time. Yeah. yeah thank you for your time. And um, we'll catch up.